everyone. Welcome back to the Mobile Show Podcast. My name is Alex Henry, and in today's episode, Ryan and I had the privilege of doing our first interview with someone inside of Microsoft. Oh, my name is Guy Carvalhal. Uh, I'm the Scale Partner Lead for Canada. I report into the One Commercial Partner Organization. In addition to being a Scale Partner Lead at Microsoft, Guy hosts his own podcast that you should definitely check out, Caught by Surprise. This is where he interviews Microsoft employees and partners. I'll have a link to his podcast and social media in the show notes. Now, before we get started, just a heads up that Ryan and I are doing something a little different during our usual weekly webinar time slot. Starting on Thursday, October 15th at 10 a.m. Central, come check out our new live stream series, Watch and Learn, where Ryan and I will be attempting to build out our new SharePoint home site here at Clear Concepts. We'll have our usual Q&A open for attendees, so come, say hi, and bring your questions. Be sure to follow us on social media to find out how to register as an attendee. Also, don't forget to check out any of our past webinars on Microsoft Teams and other Microsoft 365 apps. Okay, I think that's it for now. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the MoO Show podcast. Very happy today to be joined by uh, an old friend of, of mine from, from many moons ago, but uh, Guy Carvajal, Scale Partner Lead from Microsoft Canada. How are you doing, Guy? I'm fine. Thank you, Ryan, for this. Super excited to be here with you today. Looking forward for this conversation. Yeah, same here. As always, we've got Alex Henry behind the scenes, behind the other microphone, my partner in crime joining us as well. Good day, good day, all. So, Guy, um, let's just start start simple, start with yourself. Um, tell us a little bit about your role at Microsoft and, and sort of how did you get there? I know you've been uh, with Microsoft Canada for some time, so... How does one get to be the scale partner lead? That's a pretty wicked title. Yeah, no, that's actually an interesting road that I took in the 15 years inside Microsoft. I spent about 10 years in Brazil. And then as most of our Canadian people, I immigrated six years ago to Canada. So I've been in Microsoft Canada for about six years. My journey to this role actually making short is when I moved from the product product team when I was running Office 365 and I decided to spend more time in the small business. With Canada being a small business country, we have like 98% of the companies we consider small business. I really decided to, okay, let me, let me get my hands on that and understand how it works. And there's no way for Microsoft to scale across Canada coast to coast without partners, without the channel. So that's how I ended up being the scale partner lead for Canada. Right? So we have our major partners today that I'm responsible and I have my team managing them. They are consistent of large resellers. We have the distribution channel as well. And then I also have the telcos very, very close to this strategy. And that's how we're really trying to reach as most customers as we can. Now, not just SMB anymore, across all segments, including the, the big enterprise customers. Awesome. And I, I remember, so um, back in, in the time we spent together in, in the past, we, we were working on some of those enterprise customers, but certainly I, uh, SMB is, is near and dear to, to my heart um, coming up through the family business in, in the past. And I, I kind of get a sense that you, you have the sort of the same passion for the, small, for the smaller orgs and Canada being mostly SMB, you kind of feel for the, for the small mom and pop shops sometimes, right? Yes, and one thing that for me SMB is also special because, and I use this internally at Microsoft all the time, I think that's no best segment to really, really 
play the Microsoft mission, mm-hmm. mission by empowering every person and every organization in the planet to achieve more. So all the time I use this mission, I use the every words in caps mm-hmm. so people can really see like what every means. And, and that's the beauty, right? Having this channel and having this role, we can really touch customers with like two people, right? Yeah. And they're working and they're driving their, their business. Uh, sometimes they have to sell the lunch to pay for the dinner, right? But that's the life of this small business and we are here to support and to be successful. Yeah, I love it. And, and I love Microsoft's approach with the partners, um, big or small. I mean, we're, I guess we're on the smaller size of, of a Microsoft partnership, but there's still as much opportunity for us to go and help those end customers, those SMBs make a difference. And in particular, what we're uh, targeting with, with our modern workplace programming is using the tools that are in Microsoft 365, using the tools that are in the cloud can give the same tools to a two or five or 15 person shop that some of the really big enterprises use. And it's a real huge weapon of choice in, in a good way. Yeah. And on that, Ryan, I would just like to, to share also some thoughts. I think that we as an ecosystem, right? when I say ecosystem is the Microsoft and the partners together, we have this accountability back to the community, right? mm-hmm. the customers and the small business to simplify the complexity. Yeah. Right? On the Microsoft side, simplify how partners can work with us because you have so many different licensing types, so many different products. And on the partner side is how you simplify the technology to the customer. Mm-hmm. How you make that technology more people-centric, right? more human, so they really understand what is useful for them and not having to understand all the available tools you have in every single product. Right. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I, I always consider ourselves as, as mechanics. You know, we have people that support um, the, the tools and get them running and keep them going. But it's the other. The flip side of that coin is we need to inspire the end users to actually pick them up and test drive them and try them out and see how they work in their own businesses. So I, I like I like the that whole approach, like you say, as a, as an as an ecosystem. So, uh, so you mentioned making the products more human, uh, making them more usable and approachable. Something that we have been talking about for the last little while is Microsoft's focus on first line workers. Uh, so let's let's spend some time. Let's dive into that. Do you, uh, at the Microsoft Canada level, see still an importance in investing in technology for first line workers? Oh, a hundred percent. I think the first line workers, what they're doing for us, and really like provoking the technology industry, right? That's not just Microsoft, is to do things like much faster, right? And putting that at the center to make sure they have the right tools. They don't have time to waste. Right. Right. As I just mentioned, like understanding how to use the technology, got to be simple, it got to be right there. Uh, so they challenged us a lot when we were when we approached them to, hey, we're here to help. So as you can see on Teams today, we're having more future, more features, more updates coming into Teams as never before. Right? We had that limitation like four videos. Now we have like I think like 52 people at the same time. So this is all coming because of the needs we're seeing on the field. Mm-hmm. Right? And now with the, the world, with everybody working from home, we actually say we're sleeping at work. <laughs> sleeping at work. I love that. I never heard that before. 
the people out there are actually the frontliners, right? right? So it helped us to narrow down the need of that specific group of people to really put the engineers and the product team behind the scenes to bring to them what they needed most. And Teams is just the one example, but I think it's mm -hmm. the major one. But we are also seeing the same evolution with Azure, with Dynamics, right? the major cloud products we have. I don't know if you saw that, Satya was mentioning that we actually saw uh, two or three years of digital transformation happening in two months. Yeah, yeah, it's I caught wild. that tagline. Yeah, we've we've felt it. I think we've all felt it in 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 positive ways. It's unfortunate that it took something like uh, like a global pandemic for that to really fast forward all of that digital transformation. But um, at least we've proven, and Microsoft has proven that the platforms are ready to go. They can stretch. They can be elastic. They can adapt. I think that's a good success story uh, of this of this all. So, do you think, or or are you hearing of, uh, say, more traditional first line workers, those folks that don't get a desk and a PC and a dedicated sort of spot, or knowledge worker, information worker, the folks that are running an assembly line or a factory line? Um, I always think first line workers. I think of um, uh, medical industries, or I think of hospitality industries do you think that the pandemic has maybe taken away some focus on it investments for those types of, of first-line employees i think it's actually the other way around mm -hmm. more investment right i cannot disclose your numbers but we just closed our microsoft fiscal year back in in june mm -hmm. and the last two or three months so the last quarter of that fiscal year was exactly when covid was at his max right and what we saw is public sector like blowing away right? with so much demand and so much investment. Um, we deliver like amazing growth in public sector because of that. There was a need at that time for more mm -hmm. technology. So and what happened, and that's why it goes back to Satya saying the digital transformation that we saw happening. What happened, there are a lot of questions that were still in people's mind about, but where is my data, my data located? Right? How can I have access to my information? They came to a point like, now you've got to move on. Right? You have to put the technology in, in people's hands because people's lives are at risk. Mm -hmm. So this kind of forced the system to move forward. And then of course, Microsoft commitment with security, with privacy, this helped us a lot to be on pace with the demand and make sure we're putting the right tools in front of them. One thing that I, I love to share with people all the time, Ryan, and let me touch on that before before we move on, is it's especially for partners, Ryan, and even Microsoft people that we leave technology every day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we, we put technology first. Yes. Right? Guilty. <laughs> forget there is a very basic thing that we build technology for people. Mm -hmm. right? At the end of the day, there is a person using the technology talking about data and AI, artificial intelligence, or machine learning, right? All this new technology that sometimes we believe that, oh, there's no human. It is, mm -hmm. right? You're building all that stuff for somebody somewhere to take a look on a data or a business solution and, and drive forward something and take a, a decision. So when we bring people at the center, build a technology around them, you can, you can see good things happening, 
And I think this is again this this moment forced us to think like that. Mm -hmm. We had to put the frontliners at the center and build a technology for them. Why not bring like crazy stuff or so futuristic things that would not help them at that moment? Mm -hmm. um, Ryan and I are really guilty of chasing the next shiny object whenever an update comes out from um, Microsoft 365 or anything. Um, but we're usually, we've gotten really good at just kind of taking a step back and saying, hang on, who is this for? And what kind of problem are we trying to solve with this? So when we go to our clients, it's really a discussion about what is the outcome you're looking for? What problem are you are we here to solve for you today? And then now let's take a look at the product afterwards. So really getting an understanding of the why first. Yeah, exactly. And I had a partner once, he was building some something new that would be running on the Microsoft platform. And he was really, really trying to book some time with me to, to showcase his, his new technology. And I was like, hey, just just send me, right? Or give me access to a demo environment or something like that. I can take a look. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I have to explain that to you. I was like, man, let me tell you something. When you have to explain to somebody how your technology works, you have a problem. Mm -hmm. Because it mm -hmm. has to be intuitive, right? It's like we see like what happened with iPhone, right? It's intuitive. Mm -hmm. Why people love using Google apps, like Gmail, all those things, is because it's simple, right? And so I think Microsoft's now in this new journey of simplifying the technology as well, right? To make it simple for people to use, because if you have to explain, you have a problem. Yeah, yeah. I remember someone explaining this to me back in the day when it's when you're looking at technology, people are trying to do a specific task. They're trying to get something done so they can move on to the next thing that they have to do. And if I have to spend a bunch of time explaining how the feature works and the backstory on and why it's gonna why it's gonna save you so much time, I've completely missed the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And going back to your question, Ryan, connected with what you just said, Alex, the demand, right? Have we seen demand now in these situations? Yes, we saw a lot. Example is not just for the teams that I mentioned to you, but when we spoke with the hardware partners we have and and Microsoft as well in the surface business huge demand mm -hmm. we didn't have enough inventory right for laptops I was talking to Lenovo Dell HP another day in a in a, in a panel as well same thing right huge huge demand for devices right so they could have the right technology in front of them so I think a lot of things is, is happening and and I'm super excited with the, the industry and how we're really focusing on people mm -hmm. to make sure the right technology is coming to them. Dynamics was uh, something we saw an impact at the beginning, the very beginning, because it's usually a little bit more complex solution, right? You have to customize, it is a business solution, mm -hmm. it demands investment, it demands people developing the right outcome that you need. So we saw a little bit of the impact on that and now it's starting to catch up. Right, starting to come back again because as you said Alex like you have to have the right business solution in front of the customer right? exactly. and dynamics is really really becoming the central point where we connect Azure where we bring teams we bring Microsoft 365 and dynamics it starts to be the business solution that the customer is looking for with all the customer data in there all the sales analysis and reports in there uh, and then, of course, the rest is just like unified communication, productivity mm -hmm. tools, uh, like a backup of storage running in the cloud. My 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 interest in dynamics is um, 
so we, we have all of these tools to automate and drive insights and help us save time. Again, sort of those non-human things. There's a lot of stuff that we can shift off to AI and machine learning, and that's perfect. And I think it's never been more approachable for, let's, let's even bring it back to SMBs. Again, SMBs can approach AI and machine learning now, and that used to be a tool a few, not too many years ago, that used to be a tool only for the biggest enterprises. So now we're, we're seeing that in the SMB space, and I think it's super exciting. But for me, Dynamics 365 is the platform to, to put everything that helps you have better relationships with humans. So whether it's customers and it's a CRM and sort of the way we think about those relationships, if it's HR management, if it's vendor management, if it's uh, however you want to customize the Dynamics platform to build relationships between many things, it's the perfect platform for that. So I could I could totally see it uh, taking off pre, post, during pandemic. Uh, certainly, I uh, I very very bullish on on the D three sixty five platform for sure. So how about um, any particular first line worker wins? So from from your eyes and ears around Microsoft Canada, are you hearing of any really cool success stories where? Uh, something has been put into place for first-line workers. We have we have a few. Um, we have we have a, um, a place we try to consolidate all the success cases that we can talk about. Uh, the ones that I I really like is not just on the healthcare. Right? Mm -hmm. We always think about healthcare first on the front line, but there was a lot going on in the education. Right? And when you think about the teachers, I think at the end of the day they're also first-line workers. Mm -hmm. right? like, and people are saying, oh, value teachers more than ever before now, right? Because having your kids at home and trying to do homeschooling is not easy. So we had a lot of good cases as well with school boards across Canada, some governments and province investing on, on teams. Another great example on how teams evolved really fast, right? Bringing the breakout into the teams, having the team's classroom available. We experience into the consumer uh, so we saw this spike as well in the education space and and I think this is all good news so there was a lot of healthcare a lot of healthcare and good good uh, great stories on education because it was all about really like helping families and helping students to keep going what what I think we can we still have opportunity is in the government space like inside the, the government itself Mm -hmm. For example, when I look at my own experience, right, trying to deal with CRA and trying to deal with, like, I'm going for my Canadian citizenship now and trying to talk with the entities responsible for that, I still feel they don't have the technology to right. keep going. Right? Like, people are home, so they don't have access to the data that is stored. I think that's the space we still have opportunity to support the government, right, to to embrace digital transformation and make mm -hmm. sure that people are working from home and helping the community to keep moving. And I think sometimes because we work in tech, sometimes we take for granted what what we know of as features or what we know of as capabilities. So a personal story, my, my wife works for um, a government agency here in Manitoba and she just returned back to work after some, some maternity leave. And um, she mentioned her first day 
They didn't have her system ready for her. They didn't have her telephone ready for her. They didn't have her uh, proximity card, her access card to get into the building. And I, I said to her, I said, don't they have an automated workflow for all of that? You know, wasn't that scheduled? Wasn't that put on, you know, some sort of system? Weren't people notified? And she said, no, we're, we're just not there. And I said, well, how about bringing your work from home? If, if the kids get sick or something and we need that, well, no, we're, we're not there yet. We, we don't use Teams. We don't use Zoom. We don't use any of these tools. It's, it's still a pretty traditional way of, of working and collaborating. I've heard some horror stories about some internal um, systems coming or still in practice in a lot of our local agencies, things that just haven't been retired in the last 30 years. It's a little scary. Like a fax machine, are you talking? Oh, like probably <laughs> stone and chisel. This is government we're talking about. Oh, yeah. And you know, the one you remind me as well, the huge spike of business we saw in Windows Virtual Desktop. Right. Because this is the one exactly in between our reality today, right? Like having our own computer and feeling good that I can just connect with my Microsoft 365 environment and everything is safe and secure. A lot of people, they still don't trust. So, but they were forced somehow, right? Like, hey, now you're at home, you gotta give something to your employees, otherwise they're not gonna be able to work at all. So the Windows Virtual Desktop was kind of helping them to still stay in control. Mm -hmm. right? Okay, my, my employee is using their own computer, but I own the Windows image, yeah. I know what he's doing, I have control in that environment. So it's huge, huge spike. We actually had new partners starting to build offers around Windows Virtual Desktop, mm -hmm. right? and you can run on Azure, you have it ready. But to your point, for, for us who live technology every day, it's kind of like, really? Why you don't take your laptop and just connect your your Active Directory and you're good to go? Yeah, but that that brings up another good point, Guy. Is is I think Microsoft, as one of the only stalwarts of of high tech, where there's a support for a very new way of doing things, but there's also support for a legacy way of doing things, and and there's a path from from the old to the new. So when I think of something like virtual desktop. Absolutely, it's it's a good way to bridge two different practices where there's lots of control or very very minimal control and letting your folks work from anywhere. Um, certainly, in in Microsoft 365, there's so many different features and so many ways to do the same thing, so many ways to collaborate, and a lot of users and Alex, you could probably attest to this as well. A lot of people get confused because oh, there's six ways to share a file. And I, and I always die on the hill for Microsoft and say, that's fine because that's six different ways to work. They're supporting so many different ways to work together. And I think that's important to, um, I don't see that with other high tech companies. It's their way or the highway. It's the new way or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a flaw. It's a feature. I always, whenever this comes up, I basically just say, Hey, look, what's the way that works best for you? How do you want to approach this problem? And then they'll give me some feedback, we'll have a discussion, and they'll be happy with the end result because they got to do it the way they were comfortable with. Yeah, and I think now we're actually touching on a point that's so critical, right, on looking into the partner uh, group, uh, especially. We haven't been in this journey at least for three or four, four years. <laughs> Partners, you cannot just be a reseller anymore. There's no right. space for reseller, right? We have been calling them VARs, value-added resellers. Well, I still call them VARs, but now it's about the value added. 
mm-hmm. not the reseller piece. And the reason why this is becoming even more critical is exactly for this. We, we talked about that in the beginning, right? I think our, our responsibility as an ecosystem is to drive simplicity, right? How you simplify the complexity. Uh, the last customer that I came to visit, they had three employees. And they were so confused exactly to this, like how do I manage my files? Because when I call someone, they say, oh, you can use OneDrive. The other person says SharePoint. The other person says Teams. The other person say, why don't you attach on an email? And he was so confused, like I don't know what to do. So I came here uh, to visit him and you gotta do that pre-work of understanding what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Not just telling him, hey, you have six ways, go figure out by yourself what best work for you. I was like, okay, what are you really trying to do? How your business work? Who do you have to communicate? Right? How critical it is for you to have access to the files right now or share with someone. So one exercise I always do with customers when I engage about this topic is like, do you prefer to have all the files that only you have access and then you're going to decide which files you're gonna share with people or you prefer just to give access to everybody to everything, right? And then you control, you know what? This one is so critical and specifically I'm gonna lock this down. Because this start helping you put into a SharePoint or OneDrive, right? Or OneDrive for business. And I think this is what we can do so much as a partner community, right? Engaging with the customers is really understanding their need, understanding their business, and taking all this complexity of different options and bring it down to one. Microsoft, as you guys said, we're not gonna create a one size fits all. We're always gonna give tools to the partners Mm -hmm. so they can pick and choose what works best for the customer. It's such a it's such a wonderful thing though when a customer has that light bulb moment and they go aha this is what I want to use it for, and that's part of the that's part of the reason I love what we do is because you see those aha moments in in clients it's just a great feeling. It's either an aha an aha moment or that look of fear when they realize. <laughs> I don't know my process that well. We need to have some discussions about how to do this job because you can always tell when someone or their team just has, they all do it their own little way and they have never really had that discussion yet. So I kind of, I bring that to the surface. I'm like, all right, let's 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 figure this out. We'll get this done and you'll have a process by the end of this. And I always tell my team, you have three options when you go talk to a customer or you are a technical expert they, they're gonna ask all the technology things for you and yet they expect you to know. Or you are a business consultant, why Alex, as you just mentioned. You need to understand their business and help them to do better. Or you are a therapist. Because they're gonna yes. complain about all the technology they try to use and you just have to listen, right? Create some empathy and then you're gonna be able to help. I think you have to be a little bit of a therapist in all the roles. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, have a seat here on my couch and tell me. So, shit, let's let's talk about our feelings today. How did that email bite you? Perfect. All right, on Guy, I'm really enjoying the conversation. A couple more questions for you before we uh, wrap up for today. Um, speaking with IT directors or executives or company owners, what is your advice for looking beyond the cost of empowering first line workers? So that's something that that I come across uh, speaking with clients all the time is. There's a disconnect between, oh man, we've got to license all these users that we never had thought of before. Uh, That's sort of one mentality. But then on the flip side of it, I say, don't think of it as a sunk cost. Think of it as an investment. 
Because when those first line workers get some new technology, there's going to be new ideas, there's going to be new improvements. So what's, what's your advice or what's the messaging from Microsoft to, as far as balancing cost and, and reward of empowering those first line workers? Well, right, I'm going to split this in two because I would say the Microsoft answer would be we have always to talk about CapEx and OPEX right? mm -hmm. and help our customers to understand how to move from CapEx to OPEX. Uh, because it's not an easy decision, right? It's much easier when you just pay up front and you have that software or that piece of IT that you say, okay, now I can use this for three or five years. The problem is that technology changes, right? And now it changes every time and it's all the time. Like if you have a software, you're not gonna use for five years, right? Especially in the situation we are right now and the front, front line, and we just mentioned about how many updates we have on Teams and how many new features, right? In my opinion, the approach is a little bit different is really understanding that it's not just about the cost of the technology, right? It's how you manage that cost. And that's what I think a lot of people are still learning. Because in the past, or actually still today, you have a lot of people who pay for a license and at the end of the day, they're not using it. Mm -hmm. So they believe they're saving money because they're paying upfront and they can use for three or five years, but they're not using it. When you really jump into a managed services environment, and of course you can do that by yourself, but it's much easier when you have a partner doing that with you. And that partner is, to, to Alex's point, like really understand your business need of every single individual and, the, and he's able to create small groups. Right? He's gonna be able to save you a lot of money because he can now have the flexibility to include or exclude different products or different workloads or different features that you need in that specific time, right? So at the end of the day, we see a lot of customers actually saving money. One great story that I heard from a partner that I love is the reason why he, he had so many customers is because he built this dashboard and he was offering as a managed services provider. Again, for you guys and me, it's kind of like no brain. Yes, of course you have to do this. But most of his customers, they didn't have that. So when he built that dashboard, he was able to call the customer and say, hey, you are using too much of the Azure now. What's going on? And then I asked him, okay, but give me a story, like where and when you were really able to help a customer to save costs. And he was like, gee, there was a day that my customer, he was spending like $1,000 a month average. And then suddenly he moved it to $10,000. And then I was like, okay, something's wrong here. Mm -hmm. He called the, the guy, of course, it was the owner, right? Customers were like five people. Like, how are you gonna consume $10,000? What happened is his son, who had access to the Azure environment, started deploying a lot of different VMs because he was trying to study Azure. Okay. Right? But instead of creating a trial tenant, he was using the production tenant. Oh, okay. And then the expectation of the cost went through the roof. Mm -hmm. If the partner hasn't called the owner, he would have a $10,000 bill to Oops. pay at the end of the yeah. month. Yeah. So, and he told me, like, after that day, that customer works with me forever. Right. Because I was able to help him. So I think these are the small examples, right, uh, on how partners can really help the community of frontliners and small customers to really show them, I can manage the environment for you. I can help you to pay for what you're really using. Mm -hmm. right? And maybe I'm gonna just finish with that because this is something I tell my team all the time. 
we gotta sell it right. Right. right? Uh, and this is old behavior of selling as most as you can. It doesn't create the fidelity back from the customer. Right? The example I give to my team is if you sell it right today and the guy can just afford to buy a Corolla, right? You're gonna sell him the Corolla. But by the by the time he becomes a big company and he can buy a Ferrari, I can guarantee he's gonna buy the Ferrari from you. So don't try to sell the Ferrari today. Right? He's not there yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think he summarized really well the conversation we had, which is about simplifying the complexity, understanding the customer, putting the person at the center, right? The technology around the person. And then if you sell it right for the specific need they have today, they're gonna be a customer for you by the day you can, they can really afford a Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, a lot of trust, a lot of integrity. I, I really value that too. Awesome, but before we hang up then, uh, one more thought, Guy, if you had to pick one feature in Microsoft Teams, this is a fun question. If you had to pick one feature in Microsoft Teams to be your favorite, what would it be? One feature? Or two, I'll allow you two if, if you need yeah, to pick no, a couple. I, well, <laughs> I love the hand raising. Okay. Because we have like, usually we have meetings with like 30, 40 people. We have like a lot of people talking at the same time. Now you have that hand raising. It's a good, good feature. Uh, and the one that everybody loves is the background. Every beginning of meeting, we usually spend five minutes just playing with the background. <laughs> well, it's a good icebreaker, right? It's, it makes yeah, everybody a little bit more human, I think. Awesome. Which one do you like? Uh, I've, I've been known to add my own, uh, the custom backgrounds. Um, I put stuff with race cars, and it's funny you mentioned Ferrari. That's my favorite Formula One team, so I, I always have a little bit of fun with that. The Minecraft one is fun. The space one is fun. I mix, I mix it up. If, uh, if I was to pick one thing from the meetings I like, I, I'm still a big fan of chat. Everything about having access to the chat in my meetings is just beautiful, especially afterwards. Oh, what about GIF? We have sometimes like GIF challenge, like everybody <laughs> trying to put something more fun than the other one. You should see our town hall chats. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, I mean, we if, if we can't be together in the same office building, that's still a good way to, to crack a smile and have a laugh with a colleague and both of you are, are working remotely. I think that's a really important thing uh, to do that, especially the, these days. Yeah, and, and on that, what we actually did it because we're used to use WhatsApp, right, for fun stuff. Now my team, a lot of all the groups inside of Microsoft, we create a Teams chat. Mm-hmm. So it's not a Teams group with all the folders and the files, just a Teams chat. We name it that like off topic, right? And that's where we have fun. So like at night when you're watching game or we want to tease each other, we use that. <laughs> and it's so cool because to your point, right? When we get back to the office during the day, we still go there and keep teasing each other. Right? <laughs> and this creates a, such important culture inside the team. Mm-hmm. Right? We're going to a different topic now. Maybe we can take another day and talk about this because I love this topic about like creating a strong culture inside your group so people feel and included and if you embrace it. Uh, and again, there's a great example of how the technology is helping me to do that with my team. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, we are definitely gonna hold you to getting you back on. So Guy, thank you so much for, for coming on today for this episode and we'll, we'll look forward to having you back again for sure. You got it, thank you guys, thank you so much. Hey everyone, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Mobo Show podcast. It really means a lot to us. 
Don't forget to follow us and give us a rating on your favorite podcasting app like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and many more. From Ryan, myself, and the rest of the Clear Concepts stuff, take care.